0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: You are Locked On Youth, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: Welcome into a Friday edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are all doing great out there. Uh, The weekend is here and we do need to recap a hard fought, hard fought loss for the running Utes in Las Vegas. Their season comes to an end, Brian. But I think that we both have some interesting takeaways from that loss. Without a
0: doubt, Jake, it was a very interesting game to watch. Nail biter at the end for sure but it did really solidify my opinion of this team and and what I really feel like I've I've been able to believe in as far as this team moves forward
2: Yeah, so we'll break that down. Of course, we'll catch up on everything else going on in Utah sports news. Look ahead to the weekend for other Utah programs in action. Uh, BYU and Utah in baseball squared off for the first of a three-game series last night. We'll recap that as well. So plenty to get to ahead on this Friday edition of Locked on Utes. So let's get into it here. This is the Locked on Utes podcast for March 12th, 2021. Once again, this is the Locked On Utes podcast, your daily podcast focused on all things Utah. Brian Brown, my co-host, my name is Jay Catch. A big thank you to all of you joining us each and every day. Uh, I think some people actually have the question, Brian, honestly with themselves saying, these guys actually do a podcast every single day. Yes, we are here for you guys Monday through Friday. And you know what? We, we want to be your source for all the Utah sports news you need every day on demand.
0: Jake, there's no escaping the love of a terrible hobby or career. And that's exactly what you and I do with this. Uh-huh. Uh, but it is definitely a, a project of passion for us both. And as such, we're way past big speech time. Let's get this puppy going.
2: Yeah, let's have some fun. Uh, let's start off obviously on the hardwoods. Last night, the Pac-12 tournament, University of Utah men's basketball program saw their season come to an end in a 91 to 85 loss to the number 24 USC Trojans. I got to say about this, Brian, and we'll dig into this a little deeper, is that this game went to double overtime. And if I'm a Utah basketball fan, and many of you out there listening I know have been disenfranchised, have been just kind of disinterested with this program amidst some of the up and downs this season, that game last night I think showed the heart and the fight that you and I have tried to get across to people all season long about this program.
0: It has, and this team has been – yeah. There were times where I wanted to quit watching them. <laughs> well, I think we all were at that point it's at different points during this season. There's no doubt. And as we were talking, getting ready for the podcast, I think you made the point that really I've come to the conclusion of in, in terms of judging this team is that this is a tough, gritty basketball team. Yeah. And they were up and they were down and they were inexperienced all throughout the season, and we saw a lot of the – Painful moments of an experience come to the surface very quickly in terms of, uh, you know, late game turnovers and, and the way they lost some games. But we also saw a lot of things where they bounced back from really bad losses yeah. and got either big wins or close contests in places that they'd never done before, like when they lost to Oregon State, but then came back and almost won at Oregon. Um, and so I think when you're evaluating this team, that has to be the primary foundation is that this is a tough gritty basketball team that they uh, epitomized the attitude of their coach in that respect that they never quit. They never gave up They didn't even against USC in this game It was very evident at, at times to me that USC was by far the better basketball team Sure, and they stuck in it toward till the very end and and you saw some things like Alfonso plumber Our guy al fuego or Aldreno, as somebody else suggested because he is the plumber fair he hit a big shot late in the game That put him right into the fight still and it's just Every time that league got to five Or even when it got to ten at one point for USC you felt like this one was done And they found some way to fight their way back Into it and in overtime Kept in it despite losing three guys To, to fouling out And you know, I doubt really what another thing that we found out is that uh, Evan Mobley better hope that no team ever signs Mickey Antonin because he's <laughs> screwed in the NBA. If that's the case, because as soon as Mickey Antonin fouled out, he exploded and had yep. probably his best game without a doubt, his best game against the youths, oh, but yes. probably his best game as
2: a Trojan as well yeah 26 points 9 rebounds 2 assists and more importantly five blocks for Evan Mobley in this game he he did have a monster outing i think it kind of uh, speaks to what you're talking about with Mickey Yontan and just his ability on the defensive side of the the basketball he is very very good on that on that end uh, i but i do agree with you you look at uh, that play that alfonso Plummer had he got that uh, it was a, it was a it was a play that was drawn up for him to get that three pointer and guess who he had to shoot it over All seven foot, whatever wingspan of Evan Mobley, and that was just a monster monster shot uh, in my opinion might be the shot of Alfonso Plummer's career and it just i think it epitomized the fight the grit the tenacity the desire that this Utah basketball program they've harbored all year long and they they did struggle 42.2% from the field shooting 30% from beyond the arc so not a great shooting night but they hung tough with a top 25 caliber program and i think you can take some positives from that
0: Absolutely, and there were stretches during the game where the offense went stagnant, and give credit to USC for a lot of that because this is a long, athletic, defensively sound basketball team. But the other thing about it, too, and it's hard to really judge. I I know that fans are going to react to what I'm about to say with, are you nuts? (laughs) But the officiating in the game, I think, perhaps favored the Utes, not in the sense that they got all the calls because that was – you're never going to get all the calls and then fans and, and myself were always going to look at everything and think to myself, well that went against Utah and that went against Utah and that one against Utah. Sure. But in the sense that all the fouls, all the slowdown of play never let either team really catch a rhythm. And I think that had USC really been able to stretch out any of those three minute runs where Utah wasn't able to score that, that would have just blown the game wide open. And so There is a discussion to be had about that. I'm not going to be the one that sticks by that argument because I just, I hated the way that this game was called. I hated watching it up until minute 39, (laughs) essentially when, uh, when Alfonso hit the shot and then the two overtimes and even, you know, late into overtime, they were still fighting and scrapping, but it wasn't a great effort offensively for Utah by any stretch.
2: Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about that. Fifty-five total foul calls in this game. Thirty-one of them for Utah. Uh, they had four of their players fell out of this contest. But I just, man, I, I watched this game, and I'm with you. The the kind of the flow got disrupted by the officials, and I actually kind of see what you're saying there, though. That the 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 way that the officials were calling this game actually disrupted either team from really finding a rhythm. And I you see that in the shooting percentages. I know USC was a touch better at 48.3% from the field. They were 35.3% from beyond the arc. So neither team shot the three extremely well. Uh, Utah was 6 of 20 in this game, while the Trojans were 6 of 17. Uh, so I just... Yeah, I I get what you're saying, but I look at this and I felt like this game, despite the loss, despite this ending Utah's basketball season, I just felt like everything that they showed in this game is something that if you're a Utah basketball fan who can step back objectively and kind of look at this and leave your feelings for Larry Kriskoviak to the side, if you can look at this, this shows you that this team did not want their season to end. They were not just going to roll over. They refused to say – to, to quit they received they refused to say uncle in this game and i'm really encouraged by that as we look now towards an off season
0: absolutely and i think if nothing else you're coming away from, from this with an appreciation for the greatness that is ian martinez Yeah, because he was fantastic and he kept them in the game with big shots, long distance twos, which we're all taught to hate these days, but he was just drilling them left and right, hit two big free throws at the end of the game, and I think had we've kind of had this debate all along, you and I, about how how much should you sub, and how deep should your, your rotation be, and my argument was always that anytime you're sitting Brandon Carlson and, and playing Ryan ba- Riley Batten at the five, you're in trouble. Yeah, I think that proved again tonight that when you have guys like Ian Martinez and, and it's hard to compare he and Lahat Chun, right? Because sure. Martinez is a coach's son. Mm-hmm. He's a basketball savant. He has athletic gifts that nobody else on the court really has outside of maybe Evan Mobley, right?
2: Yeah, probably. And,
0: But I still think that you should have played Tune a little bit more this year so that he could have been more dependable down those stretches. So you could have maybe saved Mickey Yontan and Brandon Carlson a little bit of wind or mixed up your rotation and gotten Timmy Allen a little bit of rest. There was that play at the very, towards the end of the game where Allen went to go get a rebound and his legs just basically failed him and Mobley got it and just dunked it right back. You know, and, and Carlson had another one where he went to scrap for a ball and went down low, and as he tried to get, jump and put it up, a little soft baby hook, Mobley just swatted it all the way to Lake Mead. But
2: <laughs> Nice local reference.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, this is we're recording this after the game. So technically for us, it's late, but early for everyone else who will be listening. But I think there's a lot of positives that have come out of this team. Mickey Antonin is an absolute stud. Uh, Ian Martinez has a lot of potential. This team needs to evolve though. Yeah. And I think you do need to say goodbye to Timmy Allen and Alfonso Plummer and wish them well as, as they move on the, for sure. I think Plummer is, a, is, is gone. Uh, Alan, that's just my suspicion at this point. I, I don't know who else is gonna leave. I I I know that Utah fans are gonna point at the portal. We can talk about that a little bit, you know, in our next segment as we go through the season. But that there this season was hard on a lot of people. Larry Kriskovia got emotional in the post game press conference, talked about how usually he wants a vacation, but he still wanted to keep coaching this team yeah. because I think they really bought into what he was selling and and This team I think underachieved on some respects but overachieved in a lot of others. They they broke some trends in terms of making it past the first round of the Pac twelve championship, but they also went, you know, was it twelve and twelve in conference?
2: 8-11 uh, and 11 in conference if I'm not yeah. mistaken 12-13 and 13 overall on the season so right. yeah so, some good things to take let's dig into that a little bit more let's actually take a little more of a, a, a I guess a 30,000 foot view of the season itself we'll dig into that here momentarily but we do need to take a minute here and talk to you guys about our good friends at betonline.ag Brian and I have both signed up with BetOnline we're absolutely loving the experience the best part about BetOnline it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action As you covered for all the news scores and odds Uh, you can cover essentially or bet on any sport out there that's ongoing NBA, college hoops nhl are in full swing but additionally brian and i know you're a big fan of the bachelor over there the bachelorette you got awards shows tv shows and reality tv
0: where was this back when I was a survivor devotee? Where was this back when the challenge was the second biggest part of my life behind going to Utah football and basketball games? And, and probably why I didn't really do that well in college either. But you, whatever your passion is, whatever it is that you want to put a wager on, BetOnline will create a wager for you mm-hmm. if you have a recommendation. So it's easy to sign up. You get a 50% welcome bonus if you use the promo code Locked On. Go to betonline.ag, create an account, make that first deposit, have some fun with it, and then watch that money grow.
2: That, that's the goal, right there. That is the goal. You want to see that bank account continue to, uh, to get bigger and bigger and do it with our friends at betonline. Like Brian said, a 50% welcome bonus. Take advantage of it now. Promo code locked on at betonline.ag. It's all courtesy of your good friends over at betonline, your online sportsbook experts. Folks, you guys know that we cover the Utes in depth on this podcast every single day, but what about all the other sports news you need to know about? I encourage you guys to check out Locked On Today. All the sports news, the biggest talking points, arguments, debates, whatever it might be, in 20 minutes or less, hosted by Peter Bukowski, does a great job. I encourage you guys to get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Brian. Let's talk a little bit about this season. We'll do a bigger deep dive into the season that was for the Utah hoops program in coming days. But let's just kind of do a kind of an, I guess, what we call an immediate reaction to the season overall. So let's state the facts. Utah finishes the year twelve and thirteen, so a game below five hundred. They're eight and eleven in conference play. They were seventh in the Pac twelve going into the uh, Pac twelve tournament. So let's let's start with the kind of the the broadest of the broad overview here, Brian. What is your assessment, or I guess you could go with a letter grade, whatever, however you want to go with it, of how this season went for Larry Krzysztofiewicz and the running Utes?
0: I think anytime you're making evaluations, you have to take into account uh, where the program is sitting, right? And this is a program that is absolutely uh going through some difficult times right now. And then you add on to that the issues and everything that they dealt with with COVID and, and the personal struggles that Larry Krzykowiak went through. He and his family, you know, he lost his father-in-law. And for those who don't know a lot about Larry, he and his father did not ever have a good relationship, um, you know, if you want to read about it, there are a couple different articles out there that he's where he's talked about it. And I believe even KUED did an interview with him at one point in time as well, where he talked about the difficulty in his, the, he and his father's relationship, losing his mother at an early age and, and his stepmom, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. So his father-in-law essentially became like a father to him. And, and he relied on him a lot with, in terms of, you know, work and, sure. and the basketball aspect. So, that's a lot of words to talk about this. This is a man that's had a really tough life personally. And I think everybody would acknowledge the fact that 2020 was pretty tough for all of us. Right. (laughs) Even if you did keep your job. (laughs) Yeah. Even if you didn't lose anyone to COVID, even if, you know, like just life was really hard this year. And I think that basing all that together, this is a really long winded answer for me to say that I'd probably give him a C plus. Okay. C plus to B minus. And and that's because I think this is a team that handled adversity. Well, I think that they proved, like I said, I wanted to give up on them halfway through the season and they proved me wrong there. They proved me wrong going into the tournament. They proved me wrong going into the ASU game. They proved me wrong a lot this year in terms of my projections and predictions. And I think overall, this team improved when you go from point A to point B the, the overall arc of this, this unit in this program was that it got better. And, and so I think that's being considered C plus B minus.
2: So I, I actually had the thought I was sitting there about a B minus is kind of where I had it pegged because I actually felt like it, the stretch run of the season, Utah really started putting some things together. I know they suffered some losses that still were indicative of the issues that are already kind of, endemic to this program right now the late game turnovers and that type of stuff but if you just look at the schedule down the stretch Utah won three of their final five games Uh, if you want to extend it out uh, that actually followed a four game losing streak before that it was a three game winning streak of four out of five games won there so they had stretches where they actually played some decent basketball but I felt like in the final stanza of the season we're talking the last couple of weeks here I really felt like they started to find some answers, and they started to overcome some of those quote unquote demons that uh, I think had plagued them in the past. So yeah, I kind of I, I I guess I would put it in the B range. Probably a B minus is probably where I should put it. I think B might be just a tad bit too high, but I, I'm encouraged by how they really closed this season out. And I know that you never want to lose in a conference tournament. They wanted to advance, obviously, but. I think that I, I'm encouraged by how they closed out the year. Absolutely, and
0: we saw some things that really improved over that stretch. We, we talked about turnovers, and that problem did still yes. come about every now and then. We've talked about the, the lack of rebounding early on, and that problem somewhat resolved itself. If you look at the overall teams, team statistics throughout the season, they were two, you know 2.7 points per game in the positive in terms of the scoring margin, they were in the positive in terms of, of turnovers versus turnovers created, you know, held opponents to under 50% shooting while shooting 47% uh, from the field goal line or field goal range. I should say, you know, three point shooting might be one of those places where I look at and say, well, okay, it really wasn't that good, but it did tend to improve towards the end of the year. And, And we saw other guys start to hit shots and and step up and and make baskets that really helped Ian Martinez probably being the biggest one that comes to mind just off the top of my head, but there were still areas where this team was flawed. It, It never really looked like this team, the way it was constructed was built to go together. And, and I think some of that is just, and I hate to keep coming back to this because I know it's a sore spot, but this team, this program, for a year before this season, was essentially planning on Caleb Lohner coming into the lineup and being a, a big part of this team and you've seen what he's done with BYU, he's a phenomenal player. And, and you can see where his rebounding, his toughness, his, his defense, his ability to play in the pick-and-roll game with Pella Larson. Like, are you kidding me? That would have been such a dynamic action for Utah to have all year. So you can see what the thought process was with Larry Kriskoviak. The problem was is that the timeline didn't allow them to – dip back in there and find somebody else. They tried to go through the transfer portal and shore up things a little bit. That also didn't work out. And so they ran with what they had. And I think this team overall improved. I think there are guys like Alfonso Plummer who, you know, you watch him in a game and if he's not hitting shots, he's at times, he's a negative for him because yeah. the defensive slips, uh, the bad rotations that go in the wrong way. And, and some of that is just that he is, he is an instinctive player. He's not a student player you know he's he's not like a Jackson Brenchley where he's going to make the right decision every time because he studies you know his tail off um, and, and I don't know if Jackson and Bill like to share a little bit of sweetgrass before the game or whatever but Bill Walton is a big fan of Jackson Brenchley but he is, you know, yeah. And maybe there's something that I'm missing with Jackson. You know, I, I he he had a tough year, probably because he just never caught a rhythm, right? And I yeah. thought he stepped in and played admirably there in the two uh, in the OTs against USC. He had a good look, missed from beyond the arc, but he played well defensively. And he's he's a system guy. He's going to fight, and he's going to play hard, and he's going to do what he's supposed to do. And hopefully that gives him an opportunity to step in the lineup next year. But they've got to find some some more depth in the front court, and they've got to find some more. Uh, athleticism, I think, and they've got to find some more shooting. And, and those are problems that they had all year long, but they managed to fight through it.
2: They did. And I think that that right there, I think you really summed up, I guess, a microcosm of what this year was about. Because, yeah, guys like Ian Martinez, Pello Larson, you, you look towards the future here, and you're right. We don't necessarily know what the status is going to be for Alfonso Plummer and Timmy Allen, per se. But I think that the youngsters in this program, some of the bright young stars, and I want to include Ryland Jones when he was uh, when he was healthy towards the tail end of the season. It looked like he was kind of pulling out of some of the doldrums that had affected him early on in the year. So I think as we look towards the coming season or the coming offseason is there should be some optimism for this program. Now, of course, there's going to be questions with regards to the job status for Larry Kriskoviak. We understand that. I'm not here to prognosticate on that because I have no frame of reference right now for how to prognosticate on that. But I do think that if you're one of the administrators at Utah, and I guess the more, most important administrator is, of course, Mark Harlan, you look at this and say, okay, they closed the season better than when they started the season, so there's progress being made. But it's a 10-year uh, run here for Larry Kraskoviak, Brian, and how much, uh, how much leeway will he actually have? That is a question that still remains to be answered. And it's
0: not a decision that I would want to make if I'm Mark Harlan because you're coming off a year that was massively impacted by COVID. We've discussed the financial impact of the program. And while Larry Kruskoviak's buyout does drop in theory to about $7 million after the month of April, or I believe after April 1st is what the USA Today report said, Mm -hmm. Uh, if you have to pay that plus an additional coach's salary, part of it too is that you risk losing what little talent you have left in the program to the transfer portal. I, I don't think that Ian Martinez is going to stick around if you fire Larry Kraskoviak because his father Henry is, is employed on the staff. Yeah, I, said, I don't yeah. know if a coach is going to want to come in and be saddled with an assistant coach already because you need to keep that player in the program, right?
2: Yep. It, that and that right there is the problem. And also, well, you got Chris Jones. You got Jonesy on the staff too, and Ryland Jones is, is his son. So mm-hmm. there, you very easily could dismantle this squad very quickly if you guys make a decision to go another way, but. What We'll have to wait and see on that. Like I said, yeah. there's there's way too many moving parts in that regard to really sit back and, and really dig into that right now. All right, Brian. Well, uh, I think overall, I think you and I both agree the the Utes showed tenacity. They showed that grit towards the end of the year. And the hope is, yeah, they can continue to improve as a unit. And hopefully, better days are ahead for the running Utes on the court. We'll have to kind of wait and see. And we'll dig more into the... Uh, I guess the overarching themes of the season in coming days here on Locked On Utes. But coming up here momentarily we will look ahead to this weekend. Uh, plenty going on with the Utes. Uh, baseball has a big in-state series with BYU. They played the first game of that series last night. We'll talk about that. Also look ahead to the other games in that. Uh, We've got also lacrosse. we got plenty to break down. We'll get to it here momentarily. But Brian more importantly maybe uh, and I don't mean to say that the Utes aren't important but you and I both both love our built bars and this bracket is heating up for, to determine who the best built bar or the greatest built bar is Jake at this
0: point it's the only team I have left to root for <laughs> and darn it if if my coconut brownie crumble doesn't make it to the finals I may Lose my mind. I cannot predict what will happen, Jake, if they don't make it all the way there. But it is a tight race, without a doubt. And there are so many good flavors of Built Bar that it is really hard to choose just one.
2: Yeah, the best part about this is they are all low sugar, low calorie, high protein, high fiber. They're absolutely delicious and healthy for you guys. And we have entered the sweetest 16 portion of the bracket here. Uh, so, churro Puff advanced past Almond Crisp. So now we're going to have churro Puff facing off. Against cookies and cream here, and Brian, everything I've heard about churro puff is is absolutely delicious. And I'm not going to lie, I am a sucker for churros, so I, I'm going to be hard pressed not to pick churro puff in the upset over cookies and cream.
0: You and me both, Jake. And you know how much I love my cookies and cream. You know how much I love my cherry barcia. Uh, but that churro puff, for some reason, they've they've unlocked the secret of that soft nougaty. Yep middle like like it's like a mars bar or they talk about the the coconut almond tasting like an almond joy it really does and it's even more evident with the coconut uh brownie chunk and the same with the churro puff yep so just so many decisions to make but hey like can we just get some samples like you know like uh, I, i can taste test each one of these
2: final 16 we'll we'll make a phone call see what we can do so we'll let yeah. everybody give we'll every have their say you can go to builtbar.com and cast your vote you also can follow them on twitter at bar underscore built cast your votes there for the greatest built bars have your guys's voice be heard but more importantly right now go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on 20 for 20 percent off your next order yes you can save a significant amount of money on these built bars they're absolutely delicious they're healthy for you guys take advantage of it now Built Bar has a great great reputation. The best part is a local company, by the way. I don't know how many people know that, Brian, but it's a local brand here in Utah. But take advantage of the offer they're giving you. Locked on 20 for 20% off your next order and enjoy the best tasting protein bars on the market.
1: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA and now through June 30.
2: All right, folks, let's run down everything else you need to know before we go here on this Friday edition of the show. It's one of our Friday staples here on the podcast as we look ahead to the weekend in Utah sports. I do want to start off, though, on the baseball diamond. Last night, the University of Utah opened a three-game series against BYU. There will be a a split series, funny enough. The first two games are going to be at Smith's Ballpark in Salt Lake City. The third game tomorrow night will be down at Larry Miller Field in Pro. But the Utes got off to a good start, beating the Cougars 6-3 to last night. And it was very much a yeoman's effort by the Utah baseball
0: team, it neck and neck going into the sixth inning, and Utah had to use a lot of, uh, let's call it, uh, buntiful play <laughs> in order to get around the bases in that game. And I know that there are certain U fans out there that just absolutely love the bunt action. Yeah. You're listening, Matt. You hear me? Yeah, you do. But it was a good win for the Utah baseball team. They'll take on BYU, obviously, Friday night, and then finish that, that uh – that. Split split series, I guess, is the best way to call it, right?
2: They just call it a series, but it, it, it is kind of a unique format, considering these are two rivals who are 40 miles apart. They're playing two games at one venue, and then one at another. I think later on in the season, I think it flips, where there's two flips. games in Provo and one in Salt Lake, but yeah, it's just kind of a weird, weird setup, but nonetheless, that's how it goes. Uh, Brian, other sports in action this weekend include uh, Utah Lacrosse. They're finishing up a homestand and we're taking on Westminster, so these two programs separated by what? It feels like a mile, but they're facing off against one another. And it'll be a great
0: chance and great opportunity for the Utah lacrosse team to bounce back from what was a very difficult loss against Jacksonville, a team that plays incredible defense and and really stymied the Utes offensively in a way that they hadn't seen up until this point. Will they be able to get back on track against the Westminster team that, that actually has been very competitive in the lacrosse, landscape and and does give utah a solid run for their money i think that'll be definitely one to watch uh additionally women's volleyball will be competing they will be at number 17 ucla that match will start on the 12th at 3 p.m um and the Lady Volleyball team is, is still ranked number nine, still doing well, coming off a big, big series win over Stanford the previous weekend. And we'll look forward to them continuing their march and assault
2: on a title. Yeah, I, I actually look forward to that series because those are two very proud volleyball programs. We'll see how it shakes out for them. Uh, one other thing I did want to note before we go, Brian, and you can feel free to add on anything else we haven't touched on quite yet. Actually, two things for me. We have uh, the Red Rocks Women's Gymnastics program closing out their regular season. They're taking on in-state rival Utah State in a dual meet. And then also uh, – Utah skiing. I, I know that we don't talk enough probably about skiing, but they are having a phenomenal weekend so far. Yeah,
0: it's finding podiums left and right so far, taking the women's championship in the 5K, taking the men's championship in the 10K. They have the team total lead already through two days over Colorado, 319 to 252.5. Probably the biggest news coming out of out of the whole the uh, two days event was freshman Sydney Palmer ledger won a national championship in the women's five K kilometer classical race, uh, which led to the Utah sweep of the podium. Um, part of the reason why the Utes are in such a commanding commanding lead. Uh, Palmer ledger is from park city local young woman who just went out and, and she's been dynamite all year long, if we're being honest. And so shout out to her, First of what's hopefully as many yeah. championships for her and we'll keep an eye on things with the Utes and, and hope that they can finish out the, uh, the rest of the, the events and, and bring home the national title.
2: Yeah. And the fun part is she's a freshman from park city, Utah homegrown yep. talent. That's the fun part about it. All right, Brian, any uh, final thoughts, nuggets, uh, wisdom you want to impart upon our listeners before we call it a day. Jake,
0: when the going gets
2: tough, the tough go out to eat. <laughs> nice. Let's I go will, grab some dinner. Let's do that. Let's do that. I actually really like that idea. We'll do that. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. Of course, we'll be back on Monday recapping everything that happens in Utah sports over the weekend. Oh, by the way, Monday, spring ball. Hey. <laughs> spring, Look at that. <laughs> it's here. So we'll have some fun with that on Monday as well. So stay, Allegedly. 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 Okay, good. I probably should put that caveat in there scheduled to open spring ball on monday we'll talk about that on a monday have a great weekend this has been the locked on youths podcast for march 12th 2021 have a good one